Hi, this is Pastor Tim, and I'm always encouraged to hear what God is doing in your life. Now, if you have a story or a testimony to share regarding a miracle, please let me know at story at citylifefw.org. That's story at citylifefw.org. Hey, I'm looking forward to hearing your personal story soon. Welcome to the City Life Podcast. We're all about making Jesus known. We pray these messages will help equip you to become a follower of Jesus who is empowered to influence and shape culture. Enjoy the message. You guys have come in from from a lot of different places. Some of you came rushing in from work. Uh, but but I, again, I just want to welcome you tonight. I, I, I I'm not going to make tonight some long drawn out thing. Um, yeah, so some of you just just relax. It's it's okay. But I do want you to just in, experience and enjoy the night tonight. And and let me just tell you, because I, I, I've I've had a lot of people say, well, exactly what is this? What 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 are we doing? Well, first of all, there, there's no secret agenda or anything. I just want you to to hear my story. <coughs> Excuse me. Hear a little bit of the sto- some of the other stories from City Life, and uh, and hear about what's what's unique about this vision God's put in my heart, and and then to ask you, do you want to be a part of this vision? That's all. That's all. That's 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 all there is to it. And uh, and and some of you might may say yes. Others of you say, well, yeah, I'm already in. Others of you say, say it's interesting, but I, I I think I can take this and 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 the deposit God's put in my heart, and I, I can do even something else with it. And that's my goal for you tonight. Because if you if you attend City Life, you you guys know my heart. Um, many of you who are hosting here tonight, you know my heart is that every person hears something unique from God because God is going to speak different to every person. I just believe that's how God works. But tonight, to get started, I want you to hear a story. Uh, one of the things we value around here, uh, when, I, when I was growing up in church, we called it a testimony. And I think it's still a good word. Uh, our culture calls it a story, so I think that's okay to call it a story. Story, uh, once you hear the story of a young lady in our church by the name of Sarah, she's a young professional who just moved in across the street. And uh, God intersected her with city life. I want you to take a look at her story. My name is Sarah Giat. Um, my husband and I moved downtown May of 2017. My parents divorced when I was, I guess, about six months old. Um, you know, grew up with a stepfather, a uh, stepfamily, and it was interesting. Um, when you grow up in a home that's that's so broken and so corrosive, but also so, I don't want to say church-centered, um, but religious. It was very religious. We we grew up in ministry, and so we would we would go on Sunday morning and serve in the children's church, and then we would come home Sunday, Sunday afternoon and, and get screamed at, or, you know, um, my, my, my mom's ex-husband used to, he used to wake us up in the middle of the night. Every, every 30 minutes, he'd come in the, the door and yell at us, or, um, you know, he'd throw things, or, or just, like, just odd things that kept you off balance, like just the environmental things that that kept you from thriving. He um, he would take our lunch money, you know. And I know that sounds silly, but it's like you, you grow up and and um, you don't eat breakfast and you don't eat lunch, and it's it's one meal a day for years. And it's you, you know that's there's the physical hunger, but it's also emotional, uh, spiritual. You know, just just hungry for something other than like you see that this isn't the way that things are supposed to be. It never felt like. God was a God that looked at me. He'd look at me and see my situation, and either he saw it and he didn't do anything about it, or he didn't see it, and you don't know which is worse. I could believe that God loved people, but I couldn't believe that God loved me. 
you know, and I could stand in church and I could sing and I could just, God loves his church and God loves his people and I am not one of them. I don't look like these people. I don't act like these people. I don't connect to people like people do. And we went to church on Sunday and this woman that I respected and that I served with, that I was in ministry with years, she was like, Sarah, I am praying for your mom and Bruce to get back together. I'm just praying that God would heal their marriage. And she was an authority. For someone to tell me that God's plan for me was to be in that situation where I wasn't eating and I wasn't sleeping and I lived in constant fear. I never really got over it. And so I never really trusted church. It never occurred to me to trust God after that. Sean and I work on our relationship a lot and it was a process for both of us to, I guess, trust each other enough with the desire to come back to church. I was coming off, you know, just one of the hardest months of my entire life and I thought about ending it again. And, um, you know, I sat down to write a note. And the only thing that I could write was God sustain my voice. And that was Friday night. And Sunday night we came to City Life Night and um, it was awesome because of course it was <laughs> uh, but we went up front during the invitational and I just felt like maybe I could hear God's voice here like something in these walls canceled out all the hate and the anger that I had towards myself and um, during the invitational <laughs> We went out front and um, Mike and Suzanne Roberts were sitting there since we had just met these people that night. And I'll never forget, just Mike put his hands on my shoulders and it was a fatherly gesture and, and not something that I'd ever experienced. Knowing that someone who was virtually a stranger saw enough value in me to take a step and just to know that that the plan that God has for me is one of sonship. You don't have to earn your way to be a child of God. Sean and I always say, you know, everybody that we've met at City Life is exactly the same person now as they were when we met them, and that's rare. Coming to a place that just feels like home and knowing that, that God is using me to contribute to making this place a home is so powerful. It's not something I ever thought that I could do before. I, I always felt like my role in the family was to motivate, um, but I'm learning that I can encourage. You know, um, Sarah, I, 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 I know you're over there somewhere. Yeah, yeah um, it, it was, so cool because oh, I don't know what was it three months ago or so you were sitting in a connect group I was leading an alpha connect group and you, you started talking and just, just to let you know you took over the meeting you you did you you just took over the meeting and and I just was kind of because I haven't really heard you talk and I was like this this lady she's so eloquent and I was like I'm just gonna sit back and let her talk she's she's good she can run this group and and then. I think, Sean, it was you that, that texted me a little later that night and said that was the first time she's 
talked in a group publicly. She doesn't do that. And that was like a breaking point. I mean, I, I was so blessed to see that and, and just even watch you just blossom in this atmosphere. Mike being here on that night and just simply walking up here to the front and praying for a, a stranger, maybe someone you've seen kind of in and out, or I don't know whether she, she probably hadn't even hardly been here at church. And what that simple prayer did, how it just kind of broke those chains that were on her. See, that's the love of Christ. That's what I love seeing. That the, This is a story which in many ways has been repeated over and over and over because of city life simply being here. Um, it's an interesting neighborhood. It's a very extremely diverse neighborhood. The most ni- diverse neighborhood in the entire city. Diversity of not, and it's not just a... <coughs> Not just a, when you think of diversity, we often think of racial, but it's it's cultural diversity. It's it's extreme um, uh, socioeconomic diversity. I mean, people who live in the nicest places in town, the very nicest condos in town, right here, just a few blocks from us, and other people who don't even have a roof over their head. This next story is someone who didn't have a roof over his head. Um, David found himself in downtown Fort Worth, really homeless. And essentially living in a shelter. And I want you to take a look at David's story also. My name is David Bell. Most of my friends and family call me DJ. I came to City Life to fill a void in my life. A void that I so well fed with alcohol and drugs and improper living. Before I came to City Life, my life was uh, a complete mess. I mean, it was a complete mess. Uh, I was a homeless veteran, uh, dependent on alcohol. I couldn't function without having a half pint to a pint of alcohol in me. Um, I was staring at a divorce. My family didn't want anything to do with me. Um, Just two years ago, I wasn't even allowed in my own house for Christmas. Um, I've been living on the streets of Fort Worth for a couple years. Uh, I mean, I've skipped around homelessness, you know, for a while. Albuquerque, New Mexico, you know, living on the streets there, moved out to West Palm Beach, got a job, started drinking again, ended up on the streets. Uh, been to rehab five times. It's, my life didn't look good. Well, when I exited the military, um, I was trying to feel a lot of, feel a lot of pain and uh, loneliness. Um, I didn't know, didn't have anywhere to turn. Uh, alcohol was really the only thing that was, that I thought at the time was there for me, where nobody else was. I started using and drinking a lot before I joined the military when I was in high school. I got my first DWI when I was 18 years old. And then I joined the military and it was just, it was all over after that. It was parties all the time, partying, drinking all the night, or every night, all night. Uh, and then when I got out, it, it just kept going and it got, got worse. My breaking point was June 23rd, 2017. Uh, I had met a gentleman a drug dealer and I was able to stay a couple nights or he actually invited me to live with him but um, I only I choose chose only to stay a couple nights with him a couple nights at the shelter a couple nights on the street well this particular night June 23rd he had uh, I'd gotten out of work gotten off work gone over to his place and he had gone out for the night to work and you know I stayed back at his apartment or his house and you go in the kitchen you turn on the lights in his house it was it was uninhabitable uninhabitable period you turn on the lights in the kitchen and the roaches would just scatter 
Uh, he had a dog that he kept in his bathroom, locked up in the bathroom 24-7, and it was just overran with feces and urine. I had to take, I had to wear my socks just to take a shower. And uh, I sat down on that couch that night, June 23rd, and looked around and just lost it. I turned on 94.9, and um, I cried. I cried, I hit my knees, I hit my face, and just, I, I let go of everything. I surrendered my life to God and just cried and laughed and it was an experience that I could never, never even try to put a feeling or emotion on because it was just so real, so raw. Week following that night, I was accepted into Patriot House over by uh, Presbyterian Night Shelter. It is a veterans transitional living place. And then once I got into the Patriot House, uh, I decided to take a different approach than what I had done in the past. That I really started watching my mental diet. I didn't listen to anything, watch anything, read anything of the anything that was of secular in nature. You know, I listened to nothing but Christian music. I read the Bible, I listened to sermons online. I didn't watch the news, I didn't watch football. I mean, I just completely dove in to the promises of God. It was a couple months after that that uh, my wife and I started talking to him, started seeing each other again, I started seeing the girls, and things started moving up. I've tried AA, I've tried the 12-step programs at different rehab centers, and. Uh, None of that worked for me. I, I went to Alcoholics Anonymous. I worked the steps. I had a sponsor, and it didn't work for me. So I knew, I knew that that I needed to have a suitable substitute for alcohol and drugs and, and poor living. And uh, I knew that I had seen through Teen Challenge, through living, working the program in Teen Challenge, that my answer, the void that I had in my heart, was for Jesus. I knew that if I had any chance of survival or any chance of a life that's worth living, then it would I'd have to get plugged into a church and just dive head in. I could say right now for the first time in my life that I actually love my life. And it's not perfect, not by any stretch. But my wife and I, uh, we're working. The Lord is restoring our marriage. Life is beautiful when you're following God's will. And the reason why I say that life is beautiful right now is because I know right now I am smack dab in the middle of God's will. I've been accepted into Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary for a start date of fall of this semester, or excuse me, fall semester 2018. I see great things, great things working for the kingdom. David, I for some reason I think you're over here. Are you over here, David? David? I'll see opposite side. I don't know where you are, but David. Um, I'm glad you're a part of City Life. Um, you've just you've been a huge blessing to me. I, you know, sometimes you know being downtown and a lot of people will come who just you know live on the streets and and you started showing up to an early morning discipleship group of mine <clears throat> before the sun came up, and you'd be here. And you'd walk in from way out there, and you just dug your heels in the ground and said, I'm going to grow. That impressed me. David's now our parking team director here at our church. Isn't that awesome? <clears throat> Sarah, the girl who doesn't talk in front of anyone, her and her husband are now our new connect group directors right here. Isn't that awesome? <clears throat> But I want you to hear a little bit of my story also. Um, I was a 
I was born in, in a doctor's home um, in just this tiny little logging town in Randall, Washington. Any of you guys know where Randall, Washington is? I didn't think so. <laughs> um, <clears throat> Dad was pastoring. We, we didn't really have very much. Uh, we basically had a deep love for Jesus. When I was growing up, that's what we had. My dad had a desire and a calling to build the church of Jesus. And, and the way a pastor does that is you just go where you're planted and you, you bloom there. So, so growing up for me, my memories were in church. They were, it was always about church. I felt called to pastor actually when I was three years old. And, and uh, it was really interesting. It, it, for me, it was quite mystical, but it was, I didn't think of it as mystical then. I was like, okay, this makes sense. But it was actually a night vision. And I had a, had a dream at night. Jesus took me to heaven and told me that you know, I was going to be a pastor and, and that that's, I needed to focus in that direction. And I never told my parents until I was actually ready to go to college. But uh, that was always something that I held in my heart. I thought people might laugh at me and said that I had a dream that Jesus took me to heaven. So I just never told them. But I knew it was from him because I, I remember it as vividly today as I did when I was three years old. Um, <clears throat> we always lived in small communities growing up. Uh, what dad would do is dad would go and take a struggling little church and he would nurse the church to health and then he would move on to another. So every couple years we moved. We would move and move and move and move. And that's, that was my life. We moved around all the time. Uh, something like maybe like a military family. Uh, when I was... It was actually 34 years ago, I just calculated, I left home to go to Bible college, and I, I came here to the Metroplex, and, and I, I had never really been exposed to the big city, and, and got out here, and, and I, it, it took me no time at all, no time at all. I told my roommate, I said, we're going to go drive through the city, and we're gonna, just going to get lost. We didn't have maps. Of course, we didn't have GPS or any of that back then. It was just get on the highways and drive, and we drove for hours and hours and hours and hours. I had to stop and get gas. We eventually we were like, we, if it's, it's, it's going to be an adventure if we get lost, and we did, and it was great. Came back. And I'll never forget it. I said, this is where I'm supposed to be. Uh, I, knew I, I knew I would never return to the small city. I knew I would never return to the small community. And um, even in, in Bible college, like all the projects that we'd have to do, you know, preparing to be a pastor, uh, people would present their projects. Well, mine was always about pastoring a, a church in the middle of the city. It was funny because, because uh, I, 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 would, I would describe these culture-impacting ministries and stuff, you know, they'd be in these little, because you you'd have to kind of create stuff of, of what you're going to do, and we'd have, have those presentations all the time, and, and the truth is, I remember other students laughing at my projects. They're like, that is so funny. Uh, you know, I remember one guy saying, you don't even, you, you, you work with children in a church somewhere, and you don't even sit on a platform, and you're going to do that? You are a joke. You know, I, I remember one of my professors telling me to, to, to like, you know, tone it down a little bit. You need to be more realistic. It says good pastors pastor in small towns. And that's okay. I, I, you know, I have a lot of small town pastor friends, but I just knew I was different. Um, I'll never forget, there's one very impactful service at the university. Late one night, um, I went back to my dorm room, and, 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 and I just remember getting on the floor, and I, I, I cried, and I cried, and I cried. I just felt the presence of God. I felt the touch of God in the room. And, 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 and I, that's another one of those times I, I felt like God was speaking to me. I felt like God was just saying, Tim, you're going to be on a little bit of a different track than the rest of your peers, but don't be afraid. I'm going to take you to some really neat places. And you're going to plant new ministry. 
And uh, so I thought, okay, God, I will. But I just kept doing what I was doing. I was, I was already serving in a large church, and, the, and uh, I started off as a children's worker. And, and then I was eventually, before I graduated from college, I was hired as the assistant children's pastor. I was like the youngest staff pastor that was ever hired there. And, and, uh, and believe me, they let me know it, too. <laughs> I eventually then, after that, became the children's pastor and then became the executive pastor. And I learned all the areas of, of leading a large church ministry. And, but then I felt directed by God to leave there when I was at, at really about the age of 32, I left there to pass to my own pastorate in the Kansas City area, and there we we took our, our the church and and we established a second campus for the ministry. We had a television ministry and a twenty four hour uh, prayer ministry, and and we had a huge food ministry to the to the marginalized and 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 I but those vo- those voices kept ringing in my heart that you know, I was going to establish new ministry, and so then I, it was at this point I said, well, God, maybe that's just what I'm supposed to do. Maybe th- I'm establishing new ministry. I'm starting a new campus. That's what, that's what you want me to do, and I'm, I'm content with that, although it's a little different than what I thought, but I'll never forget it on the dedication day for that second campus. God clearly spoke to me. He said, okay, now you've done what I need you to do here, So, because this isn't where you're supposed to stay. You need to take this next big step. You need to go ahead and step on into your destiny. Um, I resigned my church to the shock and dismay of my my minister peers and friends and and uh, he was I was just telling someone about this just uh, I don't know yesterday or yesterday I think but it, it was the largest church in 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 our in our district and 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 I just walked away from it everybody thought I was insane I was crazy but I left the comfortable position and the salary to come back here to the Metroplex because here's what I felt God saying to me God's it's one of those moments again God you know God doesn't necessarily talk to me audibly and but uh this is one of those moments again where i felt god saying go now and start something new in the heart of a large southern city now he didn't give me a city i I didn't have i didn't have a position i didn't have a job there was no church that was calling me there was no income but what i did is i left and i moved back here the the place i knew best was come home back to the metroplex to await god's voice for that next step and i waited two years and it was two years of dead silence. Um, that was the period known as the Great Recession, 2008 to 2010. Uh, I mean, everyone thought I was crazy. We ran out of money. And I remember as the money dwindled and dwindled and dwindled, and then it was all gone. Times were tough. We're really, really, really tough. We lost everything. I mean, we lost our home. Um, car was repossessed in some ways I felt like a failure in every way but thank God I had my identity in him and not in the stuff which was really my anchor at that point I was able to secure uh, employment uh, I, I began managing a struggling small business for a friend and that business was no longer making a profit. And so he said, Hey, he's not making any money anyway. Well, you, you can't hurt it at all, but yeah, come and come and lead it. I said, I don't know how to lead a business. And he said, he said, well, I, I said, I'm a pastor. He said, well, just lead this business the same way you would pastor a large church. I said, I don't think it's the same. He says, I, you just do it. And so I was arguing with him. And then at, the, at this point I thought, wait a minute, I'm arguing with a guy who's giving me a job. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll do it. I'll do it. But the business exploded. And and it was an incredible experience. What I realize now, after the fact, is God wanted me to learn business. Um, God wanted me to also learn how to move about comfortably around business leaders and the business community and to understand the unique challenges that, that people face. Because I had I'd been serving as a pastor all this time. 
And after being back here in the Metroplex for exactly two years, it was right at that point where I felt God was calling me to enter into an extended time of fasting. And so I just began fasting and praying and asking God for a breakthrough. Um, and then six months, almost exactly six months after breaking that fast, I found myself sitting right here in this room in a circle with a homeless man who still attends our church, who's given consistently since day one. I would say he's the most generous person in my church. A single mom with four kids who'd left New York to come and hide in Fort Worth because of a media scandal around her family. My wife, Rebecca, my three sons, there were a handful of uh, Bible college students who were scared of people. It was so funny because they were all scared of people. Like people would come to the church and they would go hide. It's like, what are you doing hiding? Like you're in Bible college. You're, you're supposed to do people. Like, oh, we're scared of these people. It's like, oh, that is just weird. But that was just what we dealt with, you know. Um, There's a young businessman who's actually right over there, Chris, right here. And there were a couple of married couples who, who told me very clearly they didn't even really believe in the Bible. They didn't, and they also said, we know you know why we're here. But, but uh, my friends and my mentors warned me. They, they just said, what you're doing is next to impossible, Tim. You were going to re- need, need a lot of help from God. And uh, boy, believe me, I, I did. Uh, it, it was after, after we'd, we'd gotten rolling, I found out that 95% of downtown church plants in America fail within the first three years. Now, those are not good odds. I began meeting people at the coffee shop here and, and uh, just talking to people, just striking up conversations. And I found that most of the people hanging around downtown were not even remotely interested in church. Here in the middle of Bible Belt Christianity, where most people have heard about God in church, but the vast majority of the people here in the neighborhood, they don't want to have anything to do with church. In fact, statistically, downtown is the most unchurched neighborhood in the entire city. Uh, What I found is that people perceive church as harsh, um, polarizing, legalistic, or it's the flip side. They just say it's irrelevant, it's anemic, it's outdated. And those are the things I hear a lot. I also found out that these are also people, though, who have been shunned at other churches before. Um, They're also people who have been let down by religion. Uh, these are the people that hear angry young men at Sundance Square yelling at him, telling them they're going to go to hell. And I've been told I'm going to go to hell many times by them, and I just smile like, I don't know who you are, and you're not from my neighborhood, so just <laughs> la, la, la. See, what they do, they believe, they don't believe that church is even for them. City Life Church has never been an easy road. It's never been easy. But then again, my family knows since when do I ever take the easy road? I don't. <laughs> but I've always had a heart yeah, that just, that's, that's, there's, there's compassion there. I, I know this much. I have a deep love for Jesus. I, I have a hunger to make Jesus known and to minister uh, in a way where a church functions best outside of the church walls. And that's what I want. That's what I crave. That's who I am. 
Well, slowly we began to painstakingly grow, and, and we're still growing. Uh, it certainly wasn't spectacular at first at all. Uh, I, I, I remember when we first got started, I, was, I calculated it would take about $6,500 to, to keep this building open, just to keep it open. That's all, just the building. And, uh, and then my first offering was $68. And so like, I don't know how that adds up, but that was 6,500 a, a, a month. So it's, it's just like, it doesn't add up, but God worked miracles. He really did. Um, this whole time when we first started, which was in 2011, we've seen anywhere from 10 to 35% growth every single year. It's growing faster and faster because those percentages mean more and more. But people lift their hands every Sunday to pray a prayer asking Jesus to become the Lord of their life every Sunday, every Sunday, every Sunday. Actually, just yesterday, there was a national ministry director who was visiting our church and snuck in. And I saw him and recognized him. And he came up to me after church and he said, you weren't kidding when you said that this church is about 80% millennial. He said, I've never seen anything like this. I was like, well, welcome to Fort Worth. And he said, he said, people give their lives to Jesus in here. He says, do you do you like pray for people to accept Christ every week? I said, yes, yes. And I said, and they do. <laughs> I said, I don't even know who those people are, but they're just saying, yes, I want any Jesus. <laughs> he just said, wow, wow. He was looking at the building and everything because he'd been giving me some calls over the past week or so. And he goes, now I understand why you haven't been returning my calls. Like, yeah, yeah, things are kind of crazy right now. You guys came to the building that has no sign. <laughs> and hopefully we'll have a sign in a couple months. But we began reaching people from all walks of life, um, all ethnicities, different cultural backgrounds, all right here in the heart of the city. And, and what people said couldn't be done is happening. It's happening. Yet also at the beginning, we had no launch team. It was just my family and I who were willing to sacrifice and sacrifice big, and that we did. We continue to. It was just a few volunteers, and God has sent various volunteers at different times to help us to move to the next level. Uh, there was no church infrastructure. We didn't have infrastructure at the beginning. Basically, it was jump in, take the plunge, do or die. Here we are right now, though, in <clears throat> Fort Worth. You're in the heart of America's 16th most populous city. My mayor says that by 2020, uh, the census projects that the, the 2020 census projections are that we will be the either the 12th, 13th, or 14th largest city in America, one of the fastest growing large cities in America. Over 2 million people call Tarrant County home, America's 15th largest county. Population of this neighborhood downtown, we call it our we call it our neighborhood, one mile radius around here, approximately ten thousand. Those are new statistics. Resident, and it was about six thousand of eight hundred when we first started. Residential construction is everywhere. It's popping up everywhere. Projection is within fifteen years that number will be closer to eighteen thousand people within a mile of this building. City Life Church is also the first church to own property in the downtown business district in the 76102 zip code since 1940. So we're here to stay. And we're here to stay. 
You see, this is where the culture makers live and do business. Uh, we're talking arts and entertainment, media, government, business, education, and culture. Sociologists tell us that culture is created in the hearts of America's largest cities, and it's exported everywhere else. So, so really, what they say, sociologists tell us that whoever is present, both present and active, in the hearts of America's largest cities, will have inordinate influence over the culture, which is created, packaged, and exported to the suburbs, small cities, and rural areas around America. And the, the, the truth is, this congregation, not just me, but this congregation already has inordinate influence. Uh, pastors of huge churches who say, your church has more influence than my big church of thousands of people. And it's like, well, it's just where we're located. That's a big part of it. But we see that as something that God has put into our hands, and we we are very, very sensitive with that. Um, 20 years from now, I believe this place will be a huge launching pad for ministry literally all over the world because those are the dreams God put in my heart as a kid. I believe that there'll be city lives popping up everywhere and they won't be doing church as usual because we couldn't look to anyone else as a model of how to do church. We just... We had to get out here and roll up our sleeves and figure it out because the church planting manuals never worked here. Um, but we do know one thing. There's one big manual. It's called the Bible. What we choose to do is to do church the way the New Testament says to do it. Yet at the beginning, we never launched a City Life Church. Now, I've been telling this to my, to my tight core uh, leaders. I've never shared this with our congregation or anything, so but you guys get to hear it. But I've been sharing this with them for years. We get together once a year for a big planning meeting, and I always go back to this. We've been doing this for a few years now. And, and I, I said, the launching of a church is kind of like the launching of a huge combat ship that goes out to sea and is ready for war and is re ready to make it happen. But it actually takes years and years of planning and construction and building and testing that has to be done. And then the combat ship is actually launched fully ready for action. Uh, and, and if you want to launch a rowboat, great, you can do it in a week. <laughs> you want to launch a kayak, great, you can do it in a month. Want to launch a little motorboat? Great. Take six months. I, I never felt God was, was calling us to do that. God was calling us to design something that would be, that would be uh, very specific and, and have, have a mission that, that, would, that we would be able to, to move with very quickly, that would be nimble. We'd be nimble on our feet, and we'll be able to take action where we need to take action. We wouldn't be burdened down with a billion programs that tries to make everybody in town happy. Instead, we're going to be specific as to what we're called to do and to do it. And the coolest thing is, is in preparation for tonight, I was, I, I, th I thought about this, like, wait a minute, I remember the mayor talking about the USS Fort Worth, and she went out there for the christening of it, and, and tried to invite whoever wanted to go, I'm like, yeah, right, like, I have the money to go out there, <laughs> and, uh, and, and but, but we went out there and, and christened that ship as it was launched, and, and I was like, I wonder what I can find about the USS Fort Worth, and I found this little two and a half minute video created by the U.S. Navy. And as I listened to it, I was moved because I saw the timeline that they put together and the, some of the terminologies that they even put in there about the USS Fort Worth that they built. It's just like what we're doing here. I want you to look at this quick little video from the U.S. Navy. 
100% go, go, go. There's a lot of cross-training involved. Uh, it is a 40-man crew. Normally, a ship this size has 150, 200 people. So it's a, there's a lot of work to be done on here. The, the commissioning crew and, and the work we do here will have an impact on this ship 20 years from now. These ships have the ability to operate in shallow waters other major warships can't. This is one of the most versatile, most valuable ships in the Navy. Fast, agile, and adaptable platform. Uh, we can bring in different modules to perform different missions. Underway is a lot simpler to, to manage things. You don't have to worry about manning so many spaces, getting out and checking so many things. It's all at a console or all at you know a click of a mouse button. If somebody's looking to get out of their comfort zone and do something different, this is absolutely the program to get into. If you want something that's a little bit of a challenge, you want something different, it's not your ordinary combat ship. The USS Fort Worth is where you need to go. It takes a crew who works really, really hard for a long time. And when that crew works really, really hard for a long time, then they can launch it. And 20 years later, it's going to still be impactful. This is one of the ships that's been playing cat and mouse with the Chinese in the Pacific. Um, and I thought about that. I looked at that timeline. As I looked at that timeline, I saw it was a 10-year timeline. 10 years. The best equipment takes a while to build. Nobody's whining. It's like, well, why don't they just hurry it up? Won't you just throw it in the water and do it? Like, no. You want it to sink? You're going to put it out there with the Chinese and it doesn't work? And after 10 years of prep, they get to do the launch. And I want you to see this home video of the launch of our USS Fort Worth. Take a look at this. A quick little clip. There it goes. Boog splash. You see that? And as I look at the USS Fort Worth being launched, that huge big splash, ready for action, ready to go into the Pacific and deal with whatever is what I say the city life is ready to do now. I'm telling you what, we're completing, just on a structural end, we're completing our bylaws as a church. Uh, very soon we're going to be appointing our elders, and, and we have waited until the right moment to do so. We didn't want to throw this together quickly. Uh, we will be a sovereign, autonomous church, we expect, by the end of the year, uh, hopefully even sooner. And then we will be ready to launch the USS City Life Church on February 10th of next year, all right? Well... <clears throat> You've heard my story. You've heard, you've heard Sarah's story. You've heard, you've heard David's story. Um, I've heard many of your stories. Yet a lot of your stories I haven't, I haven't even heard. Some of you I've never met. But with every story, there's a soul behind it. There's a person behind it. There's potential behind it. And some of you, I need to hear your stories, and I want to hear your stories because we're right now in this time and space. And, 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 and uh, all of our stories are now actually converging because we're in the same time and space.
Our stories are converging, guys. And the big question becomes, where do we go from here? And so my question is, what is God saying to you right now? My question is, do you want to work closely with me in launching this church? Uh, I'm inviting you to let our stories converge. I want you to imagine the potency. I want you to imagine the impact. I want you to imagine what could happen not only in your life, but through your life. You see, here's one thing I, I believed about this group before you even showed up tonight. No one in this group is about mediocrity. In fact, actually, the truth is none of us are designed for mediocrity, but you guys are like mediocre resistance types of people, you know? And you have callings on your lives, and that's why you're here on a Monday night. Can you imagine the combined efforts of just the 100 people in this room right now? Can you imagine? Now, I want you, I want you to take that. I want you to imagine that and multiply that by five. 500 committed people. And that's actually my vision by February 10th of next year. 500 people committed. Then we have a team that can launch this ship and launch it well and not have to pull it back in. I want to share with you my vision. Rebecca, I'd like for you to join me on the platform um, because I want to share with you this vision that I have for the church. I, I also want you guys to know I've, I've shared bits and pieces in the past. I've never shared this verbiage with this congregation at all because I've never really felt it's time, but tonight is the night it's time. You're the first people who are hearing this ever. Um, some of you have heard, again, bits and pieces of this, but this is our vision. This is why God sent us from the comfort of where we were and even lost everything, which was not our plan, but to come and do this. It's worth it. The church I dream is a vibrant interest uh, instrument of Jesus in culture. The church I dream is one whose heart beats to create future and bring hope to those who have none. A church for those who are suffering silently, starving for significance, and malnourished in love. It's a church where people move from death to life, where powerful ministry and discipleship occurs naturally. The church I dream is winsomely outward-oriented. It's a church that has a deep love for the city in which it's planted, allowing a powerful flow of Holy Spirit activity through its people so the city will be different in the years to come. The church I dream is intentional. It's, it's present and it's active in the culture where the influence of Jesus is felt on every cultural street, including government, business, family, arts and entertainment, science, education, and the church. The church I dream is called to the world bringing the hope of Jesus to the ends of the earth, planting churches with this same spiritual DNA. The church I dream is hungry to worship God, birthing music and creating dynamic worship atmospheres. The church I dream is hungry for the word of God, raising up ministers of the gospel and creating gatherings where God's word is declared with power and relevance. The church I dream is committed to the younger generation by raising up world changers, educating, 
empowering and releasing them into their destinies. The church I dream is overflowing with the fruit of the Spirit, with glowing authenticity, grace-filled warmth, magnetic energy, contagious happiness, and vibrant servanthood. The church I dream is Bible-based and Jesus-focused, always majoring on what is most important to the heart of Father God. It's one of grace and truth overflowing with life and love. I just want to tell you guys, this is not just a distant dream. It's what's already happening. It's what's already happening. And this is what we give our lives for. I'm just glad you're my best partner in it. And next month will be 30 years. The best ever. Well, I'll let you. It gets better. What? It just gets better. It does. It does. It does. I'll let you go right back to your seat just to talk through some logistics. But I wanted you to stand with me because it's funny because when we came up here, when we first started, Rebecca said, well, well, we can do the City Life thing if if you'll just take me to Joe T. Garcia's every once in a while. I said, okay, sweetheart. It's our little family joke. In front of you, there, there's a card. And, and I, want, I want to just, first of all, I want to let you guys know, this is not, I'm not strong-arming you into anything, okay? I'm not. And I don't want to. Some of you may need time to pray and think about this. Others of you, you already feel something stirring in your heart. And, and it's like kind of with me, when you feel something stirring in your heart, you just need to take some action. Because we're doing now what most churches do at the very, very beginning. But because this church is a big battleship, we want to do it right. We're doing it in a timely way. And there have been a lot of crew working behind the scenes up until this point. And now it's time to get this ship filled with a real crew. <laughs> the real crew who's going to come in and join the others who have been working behind the scenes. And let's take this thing out into the ocean. If you'll, I just want to talk you through it very quickly. On the front, you'll notice it just, there's a place for name, address, phone. You can do that in a second. I'm going to give you time to do this in a second, okay? There are three levels of, of commitment if, if you're willing to do it. It's not a pledge, you know, but it's, just, it's, a, it's a commitment. It's not a covenant. But it says, I commit to three years of fueling the dream. Use me. They're saying, you know what, Pastor Tim, I'll give three years. Uh, Because it was 10 years ago when I left my ministry and I gave up everything, gave up my salary, gave it all up to come down here. It was a huge, huge sacrifice. And I've given up the 10. I'm going to keep giving up, but would you now join me just for three years? I'm not asking you to quit your job. No, I'm not asking you to do something. Yeah, that, that's, I just said, will you want to be used for the next three years? A second one is I, Maybe maybe that's not you. Maybe you'll say, well, maybe I want to just invest financially in dream. Or some of you say, yeah, well, I want both of those. Well, then great. Because the truth is the, the financial need is great. It, it is actually more financial, financially challenging in this, this area simply just because of the, the cost of doing work and business here in downtown. It, it does cost more. 
uh, invest, but, but we have a big dream, and we're going to be planning city lives all over the world, Mike. And the third one, third commitment, and really just about everybody could commit to this one. I commit to praying for the City Life launch on February 10th, 2019. Now, on the back, before you mark any of those, or some of you may already, but on the back, I just want to show you some next steps. Because as I was talking with my team, it was like, well, we'll probably have about four different, we, we kind of came down to like four different types of people who may be here tonight. And I want to talk you through this because you'll see that there are four different groups um, on the back. And I want you to mark a box accordingly. So just to know where you are, this helps us. First of all, you may be an out-of-town guest. Take a look at that part. Um, three points on there. The first one is consider praying for City Life. Consider partnering with City Life. That means becoming a partner. And we, 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 we value something around here we call it partnership. And uh, it's, it's not membership, it's partnership, which just means I'm in. It's just, I'm in. I'm, I'm with you guys. I'm, I'm with you in the vision. And uh, we, have a, we have a, oh, I don't know how many people, but probably about 160, 180 people who are partners with us as a church at this point. And uh, the third one is consider relocating to Fort Worth to be a part. Some of you may be from out of town. And I'm not saying, did you see how those words are consider? So no one's, you, checking that box doesn't mean you have to go get a U-Haul, but you'd consider it, okay? Okay, the next, the next box over here is new to City Life. Some of you actually may be new to City Life, and you, you've hung out for here for a two or three weeks and a month or two, and it's like, well, I want to come to this thing because I'm interested. So here it is. Attend the Welcome to Church Lunch, which is coming up in a couple of weeks. Find a connect group, and Sebastian's going to help you with that. <laughs> Serve on a team. It's a ministry team, and attend a Connect Groups workshop. A Connect Group workshop is a place where you can eat, where you can become a Connect Group leader yourself, and lead other people, pastor them, shepherd them. It's fun. The next box is new to faith. Maybe you're just like brand new here, and like this whole Jesus thing has you jazzed. I, I tell you, there are people who come to City Life, and maybe you're one of them that that just. I, I had one one time. I I had been inviting this person, a local professional here to church, and 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 the, the, they finally came to church, and, and I was in their office the next Monday, just you know doing business, and they said, "Why did you tell me that's what church was?" I was like, "What do you mean? I never hit anything for you." He says, I didn't know that's what church was. I'm in. I'm in 100. percent And and uh, tell me about more about Jesus. And, and, and it's, so maybe that's you. Maybe that's you. Well, here's what here's what you would mark. Keep showing up. Attend Alpha. That's happening right now on Sunday evenings. Be water baptized. We're going to be doing that again soon. What next Sunday is it? Colby. Yeah. Okay, cool. Attend the Welcome to Church lunch, which comes up in. A few weeks. I don't even know when those happen, but they. But Colby knows everything. Colby, we wave. See, Colby knows everything. All right, and you're already partnered. What does that mean? Is you're already you're already a city life partner. Maybe that's where you fall in, in here. You well, consider consider becoming a vision carrier. Click that or mark that, and and we'll let you know what it means to be a vision carrier. Attend the Connect Groups workshop. Learn to be connect connect group leader and, and attend a key team night. That means pull yourself in closer to the center of, of what's happening with key team. Various boxes here. Let me give you a second to fill this out. While you're doing this, I'd like for the band to come up. And if you're in the band, for sure, I'm feeling you finish your card before you come up. You know, I just nah, but band, come on up. 
while while they're coming up, um, just take your time to fill this out. Pray over it. And maybe you're with your spouse or something. You're just like, well, let's pray. <laughs> and um, and then as you're completing this, I've asked Elizabeth to come and sing a song that she wrote. It's a, it's a, again, it's a song birthed here at City Life, which says it's time to live. And this song just rocked my world when she sang it at the Vision Banquet in January. Um, because it's time to live is our theme for this year. And may this song just rock your world as well. When you finish filling out your card, you just give it to your table host and they'll, they'll take care of it for you. Let's take the next five minutes, enjoy this song, and fill out your cards. And then I'm just going to come up, we'll close, and you'll be going home. God bless you. Will you stand with me as we close? Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity to gather here together and to be a part of the greatest dream on planet earth, which is building the local church of Jesus Christ. And God, we believe and declare it's time to build. God, we're, we're, not, we're not doing this halfway. God, we're, we are all in and what, with what you are doing, God. And we're not, just, we're not just asking you to get behind what we're doing, but God, we're getting behind what you are doing here in downtown Fort Worth. And God, we thank you for it. And God, I pray that you would, uh, you, God, that you would direct people here. You would open up right opportunities. God, you would open up job opportunities for people to move here and to be a part. And God, I thank you that you have already provided a way, God, that you have provided ability. You have provided gifting. And God, you have even led people through some pain so they can help some people in the future. We thank you for it in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen, amen. If you believe it, can you say amen? Amen, amen. I like it. Hey, well, before you go on, um, you have your City Life launch card. If you would, uh, table host, would you raise your hand? Table host, if you're a table host, fantastic. Make sure you get this to your table host. And here's what we're going to do before we dismiss. This is called the City Life Challenge. Before you go, you have to meet two people you've never met before. Two people you've never met before. And, uh, and be on the status of meeting them to where you can actually give them a hug. Okay? So you have to get them, you have to let them, let yourself know them and get to know them to that level. Whatever that takes, it's up to you. And before you go, here we go. I'm going to give you the pastoral uh, blessing. May God bless you and keep you. May God smile on you and gift you. May he look you full in the face and make you prosper so that you can make Jesus known. We'll see you soon. God bless you. Have a good time. Make some friends. Thank you for listening to this week's message from City Life Church. You can keep in touch with what is coming this season through social media and our City Life app. And Sunday, our favorite day of the week is on its way. We hope to see you at City Life.